Hey, 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 what are you doing? Richie. Wow. So, what I hear was a Corsican mob took a shot at Frank. No French connection, Fernando Ray. The exporters that Frank has put out of business. Look, I can take care of him in New York. I just don't want to have to worry that every time he drives across the bridge to Jersey, someone's going to take another shot at him. Richie, you and I got to start working together. We need to step up our efforts. Next time, their aim could be better. We need to keep this cash cow alive. What are you doing here? Whoa. Are you actually going to arrest Frank Lucas? What's the matter with you? What, you don't know? No. Everybody in New Jersey's crazy. Oh. You know what we do here? Cops arrest bad guys. and welcome to the main event. Open up with that scene from a movie, American Gangster. You know, a little blast from the past when when uh, cops did uh, did those things that they, they arrest bad guys and put them in jail. And uh, I was just thinking about that. I was listening to another song uh, called uh, Living in the Past. And I'm going, hmm, that's, uh, that's, where, that's what those of us that remember those days when it was safe to go to the grocery store at night, when it was uh, it was safe to stop and fill up your gas tank at night, and when it was uh, without without having uh, panhandlers beg you for money and without having to, to carry your gun, and uh, and I thought, you know, hey, that's perfect perfect uh, reference to American Gangster. Hey, you know what? We got to keep this cash cow alive. Let's keep this this uh, criminal out there. Keep him out there uh, so he can pay us off. So the cops will. We'll, uh, we'll not arrest him. We're, we're getting our payoff. Let's keep this cash cow alive. Uh, kind of, kind of what we're seeing today. Kind of what we're seeing today. Uh, we don't put people in jail and except for, and we don't put people in jail because, you know, we just let them, uh, we just extort them for money and, uh, let them go out there and keep shooting, shooting, uh, nice people and, uh, robbing nice people. And it's amazing. I saw a video on, uh, on Facebook, uh, the other day of uh some lady that just went into some store and just is just going through the liquor the liquor department and just dumping everything onto the floor just taking her taking her arm and just walking down the aisle and dumping all these bottles on the floor and everybody's just sitting and it goes on for like 3 or 4 or 5 minutes and nobody's doing anything about it 
because that's the that's the the society we live in today. Uh, people just go in and steal, and no one's allowed to do anything about it. Um, that song was running on empty, Jackson Brown, because it just feels like uh, our country's running on empty. So I thought that would be apropos, and uh, and all the other things that are going on, and watching our president in Ireland over the over the uh, over this the past few days, and just being embarrassed about what we see. This is our president. Come on, man. And uh, we're going to talk about that and a lot more stuff that's that's uh, making us feel like we're running on empty. Hope we, hope we can make it to the end of 2024. But be first. But before I go any further, let me first introduce myself to the, those of you that don't know me. My name is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. If you're ready to get involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll-free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get in touch with me but you don't want to talk on the phone because it's so personal, uh, go to edhoffman.net, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net. Click on the United American Mortgage logo and put in as much information as you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back, and you'll hear back from myself or one of my talented teammates will help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. Whether that's to refinance a piece of property that you own, whether that's to purchase a piece of property you'd like to own, whether that be in California or any other state, or whether you'd uh, or if you'd uh, like to look into one of those those reverse mortgage things for people over 62 that everybody's talking about, give you a little bit more money into your life to keep up with the amount of years you got left in your life. Uh, 855-640-2020 or at Hoffman.net, click on the United American Mortgage logo. If you want to hear any part of the show repeated or you missed it at the radio time, stay on at Ed, Ed Hoffman.net. Stay on at Hoffman.net. Click on the podcast page where you can find uh, this week's show as well as several past shows, and you can listen to them on demand. You can also get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, Apple Podcasts, where you can uh, subscribe for free and have it automatically download to your device that you listen to podcasts on. Uh, I record on Friday mornings, and you can uh, and it uploads Friday afternoon, and you could and it'll download automatically uh, shortly thereafter. Um, if you have comments on the show, send send me an email to ed at edhoffman.net, and uh, I see all the I see all those uh, emails, and uh, sometimes I react to them on there. So uh, anyway, so before we go any further, let me uh, uh, have have with me in the studio Mr. Scott McAfee, proprietor of Don's Bikes in uh, Rialto and Redlands, and uh, he's here to uh, help me uh, help me on the show today. Always a pleasure, Ed. All right, buddy. Okay, good. glad to have you back. Yeah. So uh, it's been what six, eight weeks now. It has been a while. It's been it a while. Been a while. Yeah. I guess the bike the bike business is too too busy right now. Well, now the sun's out. It definitely helps. And uh, the price of gas is not help. Not no. and the price of gas and electric vehicles. I guess electric bikes are cheaper. Yeah, yeah, that's a super popular category as a matter of fact right now too. So. Yeah, I'm watching those, and I saw saw a video of someone on electric bike not wearing a helmet. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. That's not allowed, is it? Uh, well, yeah. If you want to be stupid, I guess you can. All right. So. Well, that's uh. <clears throat> sometimes I take my motorcycle around without a helmet, but only in my neighborhood because I don't want to get a ticket. My neighbors know me. They won't. They won't turn me in. So uh, we have some uh, had some uh, crazy stuff going on with uh, with uh, Budweiser, which we weren't planning on talking about today. But I just I just had to sneak this one in, Ed, because to me, what we're all seeing with Bud Light, it's got to be one of the dumbest 
marketing moves of all time. And I think it was a couple of days ago I heard something like in the neighborhood of a $5 billion loss yep. in value of the company. It's probably even worse now because this is this has only just happened. So, um, you know, the idea that you take a transgender person or let, let's just let's go back. Gender dysphoria, someone who's suffering from gender dysphoria, which is a mental disorder, <sighs> and you put them on your can uh, I mean, look, the people who have this issue, we're talking like point zero zero, whatever percentage. I mean, it's hardly anybody in the population has gender dysphoria. And yet they had to go woke. They had to put this guy in the can of beer and alienate a large part of their audience, a large part of the people who consume Bud Light. Maybe I'm not qualified to talk about this. I, I don't drink beer. To me, Bud Light tastes like rusty drain water that gets right down to it. But... You know, the the idea that, you know, let's go woke like everybody else and see what happens. Well, it looks like it's backfiring really bad, Ed. Yeah, I don't drink uh, beer often because I usually uh, opt for tequila. But, uh, you know, American tequila, Patron. Uh, so the only American bottled uh, tequila that's, you know, bottled in America. But um, that's my brand. But, yeah, the this has got to be the stupidest thing since uh, New Coke. And uh, I think I've mentioned this. I've mentioned this in uh, in my book, and I mentioned it on the radio a few times. I read this book called The End of Marketing as We Know It. And the guy who came up with the idea for, for New Coke uh, is talking about how it was a dumb idea. But when they, when they came up with a new recipe for New Coke and people hated it, and then they went back to Coke Classic and how that, shot up sales skyrocketed so maybe maybe i don't think this this lady's uh, smart enough to have thought about this but maybe going back to uh because they didn't change the product they just changed the can i think the only way they can probably uh redeem themselves is to come out with a can that says trump 24 on it well yeah good luck with that one uh, and apparently the higher ups because this was some like woman who is a vice president of marketing somewhere in there. But the higher up is saying, we didn't even know about this. Well, if that's true, because they're trying to save face now, but if that's true, are you going to fire this lady? Probably not. Probably not. So, and I think, you know, there's that slogan, well, go woke, go broke. So to me, it's, it's now up to the conservatives to make Bud Light and Azar Bush pay the price for this. And that means never to drink that beer again, ever. And, and, and I don't know, you know, the thing is consistency. Are we going to boycott this thing forever like we should? Literally, we should push that, con- that company into bankruptcy and, and teach them a lesson that this is not, this is not what you do with the marketing is by putting, you know, people who have mental, mental illness on the cans of your beer to try and normalize what, what really is a mental disorder. Well, you know, Budweiser was always, uh, always uh, branded the, the king of beers and, you know, great American company, but they're owned by a company, they're owned by a company in Belgium now, so they're not mm. even American. So, hey, you know what, uh, buy American, I guess that's, uh, I guess we're going back to Coors or Miller. I'm a, I was a Miller guy back in the day. Okay. All right. Well, let's let's hope we're consistent on this. Unlike the NFL, where they kneeled, and that was our opportunity to shut down the NFL, and we didn't. They went back and watched the games because, oh, okay. Well, they're not kneeling anymore. It's like, no, we we need to take a stand once and for all on something like this. I think it was a wake up call, though. Yeah. For the NFL. Okay. But so let's talk about let's talk about what's going on in America and yep. the stupid stuff that nobody that nobody nobody seems to know what's going on there either. The new White House weaponization of the federal government subcommittee led by Jim Jordan under the Judiciary Committee, issued new subpoenas to the FBI this week. The committee is investigating explosive claims that the FBI had a source development plan targeting Catholic churches in Richmond, Virginia. In the subpoena, Jordan says the FBI proposed that its agents engage in outreach to Catholic parishes. 
This would be for the purpose of developing sources among the clergy and church leadership to inform Americans, inform them on Americans practicing their faith. In other words, to spy on 70 million Americans who are practicing Catholics, or in your case, practicing non-Catholics. Exactly. So far, the committee found the FBI had at least one undercover agent working one undercover agent working on this, according to the heavily redacted internal memo from the FBI's Richmond office, dated January 23rd of this year, three months ago. The idea behind all this was to look for people who who espoused quote radical traditionalist Catholic ide- ideology or RTCs, not RTC, the Resolution Trust Corporation that we remember from the 80s, but Radical traditionalist Catholic ideology. I didn't realize that was out there. Hmm. Yeah, well, because they just invented it. I guess I'm somewhat qualified to talk about this because I am, as you said, a practicing non-Catholic. My wife is a Catholic. I accompany her with church. I am actually an usher, too, so it's kind of my job to put Catholics in their place, Ed. Uh, but above and beyond that, uh, look, what, well, I guess what bothers me the most about this is where is the outcry from the Catholic Church itself? I don't hear a lot of prominent members of the church speaking out about this and calling this out as opposed to just kind of letting this fly. Um, the fact that FBI agents are going to church to look for some sort of subversive act- activist tells me obviously they got way too much on their hands. Uh, wait, wait, they got way too much time on their hands. They have nothing better to do. Uh, we've already seen this overreach, rounding up pro-lifers, Catholic pro-lifers, and harassing them, putting them in jail, uh, prosecuting these people. The FBI, and I've said this before, is nothing more than the modern-day Gestapo at this point, Ed. Exactly. And the, the RTCs, says the FBI, tend to be those who worship with, uh, worship with the traditional Latin mass. According to the FBI, RTCs may have more extremist ideological beliefs have a disdain for the Pope selected since the Vatican II, which is back in the 60s, and they supposedly attract anti-Semitic, anti-immigrant white supremacists. Eh, you'd think they would be looking at the Islamic mosque, mosque to find a, you know, anti-Semitic, anti-immigrant. Well, maybe not, not the white supremacist. That probably doesn't uh, fit there. Well, yeah, you know, and, and again, it comes down to how, how are they getting away with this? They're just going to keep pushing and pushing. They're looking for white supremacists, even though there really aren't any left in the United States. We'll find them, doggone it. Well, there's got to be some white supremacists out there somewhere, Ed. We'll find them. Don't worry. Yeah. <clears throat> FBI says these uh, radical Catholics may also consider court decisions on abortion rights as catalyzing events for their supposed supposedly dangerous activity. There you go. Here's Jim Jordan from Ohio and Mike Johnson from Louisiana on this. The FBI in the Richmond Field Office was looking to put sources in churches, have informants in Catholic parishes. That's what they were looking to do. This is as outrageous as it is dangerous. It shows an utter disregard for our most fundamental constitutional freedoms protected by the Constitution. We know for a fact, this is not conjecture on our part, we have the documents to show, just as you said, that FBI officials wanted to develop sources among Catholic clergy and, and church leadership to inform on Americans practicing their faith. They effectively wanted to recruit undercover agents to, to be on the, on the pews, uh, to monitor and report on parishioners. It's just incredible, some of the things we're finding. Yeah, it's incredible to to think that this is going on in America. The FBI's National Press Office confirmed the authenticity of the memo. It has uh, names of two traditional Catholic churches in the Richmond area that were targets of the FBI operation. And none other than Attorney General Merrick Garland confirmed to the Senate Judiciary Committee last month, I saw the document, and it's appalling. Oh, my God. 
Good thing uh, FBI Director Christopher Ray claims this plan is over, and he's so shocked this could happen. No wonder he quietly had the memo removed from the FBI database. When I first learned of the piece, I was aghast. As you should be. Uh, and we took steps uh, immediately to uh, withdraw it uh, and remove it from FBI systems. Uh, it does not reflect FBI standards. We do not conduct investigations based on religious affiliation or practices, full stop. Yeah, I have a, I have a issue with how did these things happen in the first place? How does Budweiser do this whole big marketing thing without the head people at Budweiser knowing about it? How does this kind of a memo go out there? I mean, I understand Christopher Ray may not know what's being talked about at the water cooler in certain departments. He may not know, uh, you know, what what uh, male and female agents are are having uh, sideline relationships. He may not know, you know, what if that they're they're planning a, a a baby shower for a pregnant agent. He may not know about that stuff. But this is a this is a big deal, and he doesn't know about that before it becomes a full-on memo and a full-on, uh, you know, uh, full-on action that the FBI is moving on. Well, yeah. I mean, to your point, who put it there? Who put it there? Who created this program? Have they been fired? Who's going to be held accountable to this? About this? Yeah, yeah. The guy—he's full of garbage. He—he he knew about it, I'm sure. And even if he didn't, like, wh- where's the accountability? The Catholic Church needs to sue the FBI, and there needs to be a congressional investigation about this, Ed. Yeah, but I'm sure the person that did it is some diverse, some diverse member of the of the FBI, and they can't fire him because they're mm. in a protected class. Good point. Meanwhile, our allegedly Catholic president is touring Ireland this week. It's clear to everyone watching that his team is actively preventing him from giving a press conference, something presidents always do when, they're, when they go overseas. From Fox News Tuesday, Biden will not hold a press conference in Ireland despite murmurs of how the White House protecting him. Of course, it should say uh, amid, amid White House murmurs of White House protecting him because it shouldn't be despite. I mean, that's why he's not holding a press conference, because they are protecting him. It's been or maybe protecting us from looking stupid by the fact that we put him in the White House. It's been many months since Biden held a press conference and reporters have questioned whether White House staff are intentionally protecting him from the press. It's extremely common for U.S. presidents to hold joint press conferences uh, when they are visiting former a foreign head of state. But he will not do so during this week's trip. Karine Jean-Pierre denied Monday that the administration is trying to protect Biden from the media by preventing him from answering questions. Yeah, you, they're they're not trying to protect him from it. it. Quite obvious. Well, you know, Ed, I think we just need to lower our expectations. I mean, to me, a successful you know international visit by Joe Biden just means he doesn't fall down the stairs and soil himself. Exactly, and doesn't uh, doesn't throw up on a foreign dignitary or uh, or you know or mutter some of the dumb stuff he did this time when they accidentally let him answer a question from some. Uh, from some uh, elementary school kid who asked him, uh, what's the secret to success? And he said, oh, well, first of all, not getting COVID. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, his uh, his son, who's who's uh, traveling with Dada over to Ireland, uh, you know, Hunter, uh, said, oh, Dad, hey, he asked you what the secret to success is. And then he, then he rambled on about not uh, insulting people that have differing opinions from you. And uh, then finally, he just kind of said, hey, Dad, you're supposed to be over here by this rope and and just kind of got him out of there because and the and the little elementary school kids going, what? Yeah, it's pretty sad when Hunter's the smart one, Ed. I know. <laughs> so why is the White House communications office working overtime to muzzle Biden? 
maybe because he manages to fumble, fumble even the friendliest questions from the most unchallenging people like Al Roker at the White House. You know, Al Roker is getting close to him because, you know, uh, Biden's starting to act like he's almost 100. But Al Roker talked to him at the White House Easter egg roll. I was just wondering, uh, uh, Mr. President, uh, will you be uh, taking part in the Easter egg rolls uh, after planning on after 2024? Well, I plan on <laughs> at least three or four more Easter egg rolls. At least three or four more. Maybe maybe five. Maybe five. <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> six. So, what the hell? Are you, are you saying that, uh, that you would be uh, taking part in uh, our upcoming election in 2024? Well, I'll either be so rolling an egg or you know being the, the you know the guy who's pushing them out. Come on, help a bro- help a brother out. Make <laughs> no, some news no, for no, me. No. <laughs> I, well, I, I plan on running now, but we're not prepared to announce it yet. I like that. He says, I'm planning on running, but I'm not going to announce it yet. Yeah, exactly. He's, he, uh, he, he doesn't know. And I and I'm seriously doubt he's going to run. Someone who knows all the ins and outs of the White House Communications Office is Dana Perino. Let's hear, let's hear from her on this. I also don't think that for one second that the press secretary believes that this is good communication from the president of the United States. Again, the president of the United States, the leader of the free world. And he... Why why are the reporters shouting questions? <laughs> well, that's because they never have an opportunity to actually ask him questions. And Al Roker, I'm sorry, that is not going to cut it. I think they also don't want him to take questions because they're one. I think they're afraid of what he's going to say. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've avoided saying that up to now. But I believe that the White House has correctly decided that the media is going to give them process stories that say, we wish you would really take more questions. But they prefer to have those negative stories than to deal with the consequences of the stories of what he might say mm-hmm. on the other end. Yeah, um, I would I would have to say that uh, I, w- I wonder why Dana said she's avoided saying this because she's the new queen of nice, I guess. She doesn't want to say bad things about people. Maybe she re- really listened to that, uh, to uh, Biden's, what he said to that little girl. Um, or was it a little boy? Anyway, that little kid that asked that question. On Thursday, still in Ireland, Biden was allowed to answer a few of those shouted reporter questions on the Ukraine documents that were leaked uh, into a video gaming server. But we can hear his aides in a panic trying to keep him from saying too much. Could you give an update on that leaked investigation, the leaked documents from DOD? I, I, I can't right now. There is a full-blown investigation going on, as you know, with the intelligence community and the Justice Department. And they're getting close. You know, I don't have an answer. How concerned are you about this leak? Are you concerned yeah. about our relationship? Are you concerned about the leak? Okay, guys, it's time to go. Well, Let's go. Cool, we got to move. I'm not concerned about the leak. I'm concerned that it happened. But there's nothing contemporaneous that I'm aware of that is of great consequence. Yeah, I'd be, I'd, I'm, I would be very concerned, maybe not about what got leaked, even though they got leaked. And we'll talk about this more next week about how... Uh, how it, it indicates that maybe we have special forces on the ground in Ukraine. Wait, well, we're not going to put boots on the ground, but maybe we are anyway, which means that the United States is in a full-blown, full-blown war with, uh, with Russia. Um, I would be, con- I would be uh, uh, concerned about that kind of stuff. And I'd be concerned about the, about the, uh, don't we have it security people in there to make sure that, you know, this happened, this happened a couple months ago. And the New York Times found out about it before uh, before the government found out about it. Well, and apparently they just arrested some 20-year-old white supremacist, Dad. I'm sure he's a white supremacist, 21 years old. A 21-year-old can hack the system and reveal this stuff? I think we got problems. Yeah, exactly. He's a, he's an IT guy at the at the National Guard. He's and, probably framed. And he was able to break into the and get classified documents and he and he and he shared them with people on his gaming uh, gaming group. Look what I could do. 
there's someone else who understands what's happening. Uh, and that someone has thoughts on whether Biden is truly capable of running against him next year. Here's Trump with Tucker Carlson on Tuesday, sounding legitimately sympathetic for Biden. Look, uh, I, I watch him just like you do. And I think it's almost inappropriate for me to say it. But I deal with other people. I don't see I don't see how it's possible. And it's not an age thing. He's not too old. You know, his age, I think they do the age thing because I'm four or five years behind. They say, this is a way of getting Trump. Let's go home. But there's something wrong. I saw his answer today on television about whether or not he was going to run to a very nice guy named Al Roker. I mean, you can't get a softer question than that. That was a long answer. Talking about the eggs and the this and that. Look, I don't think he can. Yeah, I don't think he's uh, uh, coherent enough to do this. He's not going to be able to hide in the basement like he did in 2020. And I think it's just going to be a big embarrassment. And I hear people say, well, Trump might win the nomination, but he's not going to be able to win in a in a in in the general election. I'm going to call BS on that. Hey, we're all out of time for this half of the main event. Stay tuned for five minutes of traffic, weather, sports, and commercials. And we'll be right back with lots more. Part two of the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. I don't talk a lot about mortgages and financing and real estate on the radio, but if you think you'd like to talk to me about it because you say, I want to I want to talk to someone who thinks logically like I do, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, area code 855-640-2020. 855-640-2020. Don't know if I tongue-tied on, the, on that thing. Um, or go to edhoffman.net, click on the United American Mortgage logo, and uh, fill in, the, fill in the, the form, and you'll hear back from me or one of my talented teammates. So before the, uh, before the break, oh, and for those who didn't hear us in the first half, uh, with me in the studio today is Mr. Scott McAfee, proprietor of Don's Bikes. Scotty, welcome back. Yo, Ed. So uh, we were talking about, we're talking about uh, Biden's uh, trip to, to uh, Ireland uh, and how the... Uh, how the uh, the White House staff is keeping him away from answering questions because they don't know what he can say, and we're talking about him running running for president again. And we just heard uh, Trump say that I don't think he can. I don't think he's capable. And uh, Trump also sees how Biden is being muzzled by his team and being manipulated by Democrats. Why else would they be sending him to a politically benign place like Ireland right now, while China and Russia are taking over the world? They're surrounded by vicious, smart people. Radical left people, but they're very smart and they're very vicious. It's not him. It's not him. He's now in Ireland. He's not going to have a news conference. When the world is exploding, I own property in Ireland. I'm not going to Ireland. The world is exploding around us. You could end up in a third world war, and this guy's going to be in 
Ireland and not having a news conference. He hasn't had a news conference, I guess, in months. I saw today where he hasn't just been. Well, he can't. And he said, thank you, Mom. You told me I'd be here someday. He's, you know, Biden's, Biden's just in la-la land. You know, it's, uh, he's the leader of the free world, supposedly. And he's, uh, he's uh, you know, out picking the weeds and sweeping up, sweeping up the porch. You know, I mean, it's funny because Trump used the word vicious, but I think you could easily use the word evil to describe the people that are actually running this country right now. Yep. And if you look at Joe Biden, it's like most presidents are being followed around by the Secret Service. Joe Biden is being followed around by visiting angels. Exactly. You know, they need to make sure that he, uh, when he needs his diaper change, they're there. So if Biden is simultaneously being muzzled by his team and thrown under the bus by his own party, how will this all go down and who will replace him in 2024? So if he doesn't run, if he's taken out by his own party or who knows what happens, but it doesn't seem like he's capable of running again, who does run? Well, obviously the one that they uh, would talk about would be the vice president, Kamala. Uh, That would be the one that they talk about. But I don't think she's performed well on the big stage. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. But there are a certain group of people that will go crazy if it's not her. They're going to go very. They're going to be very angry if it's not her. That's a problem. Uh, you have a very ambitious guy in California, but he's done a terrible job with the state. I used to get along great with him. You know, when I was president, I had along. You know, got along really good, Gavin. Well, but you got along with Gavin Newsom. I did. I really did. He was always very nice to me. He said the greatest things. He would say things like, "He's doing a great job." Oh, he was very about nice. you. About me. That's why I could never hit him because he was so nice to me. They talk about him. They talk about some others. Uh, I just don't see Biden doing it from a physical or a mental standpoint. Yes, I don't see it. Yeah, I have to say, uh, I have to say that that's one thing that we didn't think about. That we're saying, hey, there's no way uh, Kamala Harris could be there because she's a moron. She can't even put three sentences together without repeating herself. You know, in one of her word her word salads, but um, we hadn't thought about the the DEI crowd, the diversity, equity, and inclusion crowd is going to be going to go crazy if uh, if Kamala Harris isn't there because this is all about equity and diversity. You know, you've, it's funny though because but she's just one of the most disliked people in Washington. That's why they can't run her. Let's just get right to it. She's an awful person that people hate. Yeah, but. It's still, she's still a woman of color. Whatever. She's not African American, but she's a woman of color, and uh, and she's a female, and she should be. She's the vice president. Her next step is president, and doesn't matter if she's incompetent and uh, not very intelligent. That's never been a that's never been a uh, prerequisite for for anybody in the Biden cabinet. So uh, it's 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 crazy. And of course, the problem with the gentleman in California, as Trump uh, called him is he's not exactly the poster child for leading a state into prosperity. This is something we all know as Californians since we live here with the consequences of his leadership. The fifth highest state tax burden in the nation for middle-class residences and the highest marginal income tax uh, of 13.3% for those making over a million. So apparently if uh, if you're making over a million, so up until a million, you're at 9.6%. After you hit a million, it's it's 133 and of course, but for if you're making seventy-five thousand, I don't know what the exact rate is, but apparently we're the fifth highest in the nation, the highest sales tax in the nation, seven and a quarter percent, the first, the fourth worst roads in the nation, according to Consumer Affairs, behind Hawaii, Rhode Island, and Louisiana. Um, I've driven the roads in Hawaii, and 
I didn't think they were bad. At least the freeways were nice. And uh, so I didn't really see. Um, I had a few chuck holes in, in, uh, in Kauai um, on some back roads uh, cutting across the middle of the state when we were there, but I didn't think they were that bad. Um, never been to Rhode Island, but uh, my, uh, my assistant, Brooke, uh, says she didn't think they were bad when she's visiting her daughter in college there. And Louisiana, we drove rent a car in uh, Nolens. In Nolens in 1990, I didn't think they were bad until you just passed that other side of the, the freeway from from New Orleans and you go into the a scene from Terminator 2 uh, where it looks like a bomb went off. Um, but California, California's uh, roads suck. And uh, we're, the, we're fourth worst. I haven't seen anything worse. And when I've driven driven my road trip, as soon as you get out of California, the roads are nice everywhere. Highest gasoline and diesel taxes in the in the nation: sixty eight cents a gallon on uh, gasoline and a dollar on uh, diesel. Um, there must be some other taxes involved there because we're like a buck and a half uh, higher per gallon once you, once from Arizona crossing the border into California. Some of the lowest performing schools in the nation. We rank forty four out of fifty states of, as of last year. Um, so if we aren't improving our roads and our schools or, or our schools, where does all that tax money go? Much of it goes into the pockets of Democrats running the state into the ground. And of course, you know, we're building that, that, uh, train to nowhere. And, uh, the thing that you would have thought of is, uh, you know, we just had the, the wettest winter in history and, uh, will we be in a drought next month? Absolutely. Because all that we didn't we didn't create anything to store water, and you'd think that instead of spending that money on where we are spending it, we could spend it on desalination plants, and uh, feed all the Central Valley with water, so we could be the breadbasket of America that, or of the world that we once were. We have the third highest cost of living in the nation after Hawaii and Massachusetts, and a budget that swung from ninety eight billion dollars surplus last year, thanks to all the COVID relief money. To a two hundred to a twenty twenty two point five billion dollar deficit this year. Uh, I don't hear Newsom uh, bragging about that this year. They were sure bragging about it last year. Pretty abysmal for the most populated state, thirty eight million residents. And as we all know, because we see it on a daily basis, California has the worst homelessness in the nation. Uh, one third of the nation's homeless homeless population live in California according to the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. Meanwhile, Newsom has the nerves to call this carnage progress. He doesn't get why the other governors aren't doing what he's doing. You know, I just finished 18 events in five days in California. I've sacrificed my heart and soul for my state, and I take a backseat to no one on that. So I get it. But I also don't get what's going on in this country. I don't get why everybody's not doing what we're doing. All the progress the last half century is being rolled back in these states in real time, in just the last few years, I don't think people fully understand the rights regression, individual liberties on civil rights, on voting rights, on the gerrymandering that's happening out here. He calls this progress. You know what? Uh, he's talking about individual rights, the things that the things. Hey, you know, you should have the right to commit crimes and not go to jail. You should have the right to uh, to kill people and you should have the right you should have the right to uh you know, smoke weed and, and drive, and you should have the right to, uh, you know, if you want to just uh, uh, go to the bathroom in the in the sidewalk under the streets, uh, you should have the right to do that if that's what you want to do. Um, those of us that obey the laws and pay our taxes and want to have a want to have a peaceful lifestyle, uh, we don't call that 
individual liberties. You know, every, everything he said was complete word salad garbage. It meant absolutely nothing. And and uh, the fact that people are bailing out of here like in droves, I think, says it all. Um, the guy might as well be artificial intelligence that he's completely fake. Exactly. At least at least the L.A. Times is being honest, reporting California's population fell by 500,000 people between April 2020 and July 22. Census data showed migration out of the state legally surpassed those coming into the state by more than 700,000 throughout the two-year period. Only New York has come has come close to those that uh, that they lost 485,000 residents in the same two years. So it says uh, we fell by 500,000, but we actually had legal migration out 700,000 more than legal migration in. Where it changes that that number to 500,000 instead of 700,000 is our population would drop even more were it not for illegal immigration. From the Brookings Institute, California made an exceptional leap in net immigrants from abroad in the last two years, netting 125,715 immigrants in 21-22 and 44,121 in 2021. So we're replacing Americans fleeing from California with migrants from Central America and Mexico. Heritage Foundation Center for Data Analysis found the states that the states California Californians are fleeing to are Arizona, Colorado, Florida, Nevada, Oregon, Texas, and Washington. Well, what I see as a as a mortgage person financing people uh, leaving California, I see most uh, people going to Arizona, Texas, uh, Tennessee, and Florida. Not so much uh, uh, Oregon and Washington, and uh, even even not so much uh, Idaho or Montana. But the people in Montana say they're being flooded by people from California. Um, but I don't I don't finance that many people going there. Although I did, and. Uh, and we have a nice house in Montana, and it is totally America up there. You know, it's totally America once you get out of California. You can stop and fill up your tank in the nighttime. You go to an ATM at nighttime. Uh, people are, people are, you know, everybody carries guns everywhere, and it uh, makes it just makes it safer because people don't commit as many gun crimes. Meanwhile, the state is actually suing cities like Huntington Beach. So the state is suing cities like Huntington Beach, for not providing enough low-income housing. So that's uh, apparently that's Gavin Newsom's uh, uh, solution for homelessness. Gavin Newsom says, Huntington Beach is failing its residents. Every city and county needs to do their part to bring down the high housing costs and rent costs that are impacting families across the state. I think the people at Huntington Beach are probably pretty happy about that. California Housing Director Gustavo Velasquez says, more housing is the path to ending and reducing homelessness. But Huntington Beach continues to brazenly violate state housing laws. Of course, it's probably, uh, probably low-income low, uh, low housing is probably the, the way to, uh, to counter the crime problems um, or to, to increase the, count, the, the crime problems. How about closing our state off to all this illegal immigration and the cartels trafficking in fentanyl, screwing up Americans who live here, you know, getting them on drugs? Uh, getting them on drugs and uh, wandering around the cities like zombies. Uh, you think that might help us fight homelessness? Well, you know, the thing that, that also when we look at these numbers of people that are coming and going, I think we need to look at who exactly is coming and going. And from people that I'm talking to, people that have already left or people that plan on leaving, Ed, these are the productive people. Yep. These are the people that own businesses here, that pay taxes, uh, that are law-abiding. Those are the people that are bailing out, and they're being replaced by deadbeats and illegal aliens. 
And that doesn't bode well for our state, Ed, which is such a shame because, as you know it, and you and I both see it, this is the most beautiful state in the union. Texas is ugly. I'm sorry. It's just kind of an ugly state. We got mountains and we got beautiful beaches and we have the best weather of anywhere in the state, in the in the country, I should say. So there's a lot of reasons to stay here, but it's just such a shame that, you know, basically Gavin Newsom has been burying this state over the last several years. Yeah, exa- I, I would I would uh, agree with that. And of course, uh, Jerry Brown uh, didn't didn't help either in getting things started. And you know, it's just been so long since we've had a Republican governor. It wasn't our last Republican governor, the governor. Yeah, you're probably right. Who is? Yeah, he wasn't that great. He wasn't. He wasn't quite really Republican. No. I don't know how people Republican people are married to Democrats. I don't know how you can be successful. That'd be tough. I mean, I I know that if I was married to a Democrat. I would be married anymore. Um, so happily, happily, uh, Don and I are are uh, are shoulder to shoulder in our political uh, political opinions and beliefs. Um, and you know, what I don't hear them talking about is crime because I don't think it's homelessness so much as the crime that that kind. You know, homeless people commit crimes, but it's also uh, it's also just the fact that we don't jail people. Hey, you know, what? let's go to a state that. Does uh, the what they do in Jersey back in the back in the sixties? Hey, you know what we uh, we put bad guys in jail. We arrest them, put them in jail. But Gavin Newsom has the nerve to go on tour through the bunch of red states where he's been lecturing their governors and buying TV airtime with our tax money uh, to influence their residents into voting Democrat in the upcoming elections. The problem in our country right now, authoritarian leaders who are so hell-bent on gaining power and keeping it by whatever means necessary, know we have a big battle coming, which is why we'll help lead the fight to make sure we elect leaders in 2024 who believe in democracy. What's happening in those red states? It's not who we are. It's un-American. It's undemocratic. Yeah, thank you, Barack Obama, for introducing that. That's not who we are. And I always used to say, hey, how does Barack Obama know who we are? He was raised in Indonesia, you know, uh, born born somewhere between Kenya and Hawaii, and uh, and and he was brought up by his uh, grandparents, and uh, or his his father, his stepfather took him to Indonesia uh, till they were till he was about nine, and then he came back to Hawaii and uh, raised by his grandmother. So I don't I don't know who that he knows who we are. And Gavin Newsom, hey, that's not who we are. You know, letting people carry guns and and uh, you know and uh, you know putting people away for for not respecting uh, the police and putting people away for uh, for committing crimes. That's not who we are. Well, it's clearly not who we are in California, but uh, it is who we are as Americans. Newsom went on MSNBC to attack Ron DeSantis. Here he is with Circleback Saki this week. You had a thousand kids in Nashville out there protesting the lack of action on gun uh, reform measures. Mm -hmm. Well, you had Governor DeSantis signing a bill on permitless carry behind closed doors. What did you make of that? Scared to death. Who is he scared of? Scared of the people. Scared the of the people public. in Florida? Yeah, that overwhelmingly oppose that position. <laughs> I think the majority of NRA members, you know, probably oppose that position. I'd tell him to pack up and, and wait a few years and actually do some of the hard work, which actually includes governing, not just identity and culture work. Come back as a more seasoned and capable leader with a little humility, which, by the way, he can use a little of. 
You know, I find it ironic to the last clip we played before this when he used the word authoritarian and the left is great at calling you what they are. So who's the authoritarian? Who, who are the new fascists in this country? You know, the people that are locking up January Sixers for protesting, the people that are locking up pro-lifers uh, without due process, spying on Catholics, as we talked about earlier. Uh, you know, who, who's actually the fascist here, Ed? Who are the authoritarians in this whole picture? Well, it's absolutely the Democrats. Yep. Cause, you know, you know, you're not American if you don't vote the way they want you to vote. You shouldn't have your own opinions. And, of course, if you don't vote for Biden, you're not black either. So, uh, and, you know, when he says, hey, uh, the people of Florida overwhelmingly uh, opposed having a permitless carry, uh, I think the states the states that have permitless carry, Arizona, Montana, lots of states that, that, uh, that I've been in, have the lowest crime stats than anyone. And I don't think I think the people of Florida like what he's doing. No, his popularity is like off the charts down there. So, yeah, it it, it shows it's a very successful state. Um, we need more like them. We need more governors like him. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know where this whole thing's going. It's not it's not looking real good, though, Ed, right now. It's not looking real good. Yeah. Newsom Newsom needs to needs to be kept out of the out of the White House. Of course, that didn't work for Biden should have been kept out as well. One reason for the high cost of living in California uh, is their relentless push toward green energy, which has given us electricity costs that are 80 percent higher than the national average. But as we keep hearing, Democrats think this is fantastic. And this week we got Biden administration's most aggressive electric vehicle uh, regulation to date, a requirement for 60 percent of the new vehicles sold in the U.S. to be electric by the year 2030 and 67 percent of them by 2032. Who comes up with these numbers? I don't know. I don't know. And, and of course, if we were allowed to let things happen organically, we would be building power plants. We'd be putting in more uh, charging stations. And it would just happen naturally that some people, because I know if you, if you don't go on long trips, electric vehicles are good. I just don't, not, I'm just not going to go there. It's not for me. Remember, it hasn't been two years since the auto industry agreed to the administration's first round of overreach on this in August 21, where they had agreed to the Biden's Clean Air Act executive order, which bumped the EV requirements to 50 percent by uh, by 2030. So now he's bumping it to, to 60 percent by 2030. Uh, last time we saw Biden's EPA head, uh, Michael Regan, he was happily drinking contaminated water in East Palestine, Ohio. On Wednesday, we got proof that he made it out alive, and he's fired up about forcing Americans to buy expensive electric vehicles. We're going to save consumers money. Uh, you know, these vehicles don't require as much maintenance. Uh, obviously, the gas prices are a little steeper, and uh, electric vehicles will be cheaper over the lifespan. We were talking um, during the break about how your son's got two Teslas. My son bought a Tesla. I mean, it's kind of cool. To me, the most impressive thing is that you push a button and it makes a flatulence noise. But I don't know if that's enough for me to go out and buy one, Ed. Yeah, I don't think so. And uh, and I'm just not, I'm just not interested in an electric car. You, you don't you know, want to hang around a parking lot for an hour while the damn thing charges. Yeah, I like I like going on a trip. And uh, hey, we're running low on gas. We stop at the gas station. And even if there's not an open pump, five minutes later the guy in front of me is done, and then five minutes later I'm done, and we're back on the road. It gives me time to go use the bathroom and. Uh, get another Diet Coke and some uh, some unhealthy snacks, and uh, and the other thing that that people have been pointing out is that you know that the price of electric vehicles starts about fifty eight grand. Yep. And uh, and fifty eight grand. 
I know a lot of people that can't afford that. Yep. So what are they going to do? Guaranteed EV loans? Ah. We're going to stop giving guaranteed student loans, um, and we're going to give guaranteed electric vehicle loans. So we'll nationalize the electric vehicle business as well. Mm. Um, I just, uh, I just don't, I just don't see it. It's not happening naturally like it, like it could. And let's not kid ourselves about what's happening here. Kamala Harris just got back from making nice nice with the leaders in Africa where children as young as six are put to work mining minerals in Congo. Those minerals are primarily sold to China, and China uses them to manufacture the EV batteries. We get some some crack at the minerals now that Biden is sending a bunch of money and a bunch of people down to Africa, but China was 20 years ahead of us on this. So we aren't likely to get a whole lot, even though we're investing millions in Africa in an attempt to catch up. Uh, this is not... Not conservative. This is not a conservative talking point. This is fact. From MIT's tech, technology review, China has a stronghold on the industry because the majority of the world's refinery capacity for these materials, these minerals, is inside is inside China. China. Not only can China reasonably control cost of the battery production, but it can potentially hold us hostage uh, against any other country that relies on these uh, materials for its transition into EVs. Translation. China will be at the China will be the sole beneficiary of our transition to electric vehicles, and as we've covered recently, even if the EV batteries will be made here in Michigan, they'll be made by Chinese nationals. And yes, some of those Chinese nationalists will be spies, as we've been told. Many of them will be living in college dorms at Ferris State University in Michigan, and Joe Biden is leading the push on all this, not because he deep, deeply cares about the environment, but because his family is bought and paid for by the Chinese government. Yeah, um, you know, I mean, it's kind of like the whole country. I mean, we we are on the decline, Ed. I don't know how else to say it. We're on the decline, and it's not looking good for us in 2024 either, barring some kind of major, major occurrence. And right now, that could be one of several things. It could be the fact we're devaluing our currency at a, at a rapid rate. Uh, we're we're got some uh, a recession, a deeper recession probably in the horizon. And now people are talking about World War III. Uh, and I think to myself, how bad can things get? In this country, before people will actually vote for someone like Trump, DeSantis, whoever that nominee is, I don't know if I have an answer to that, Ed. Um, I don't know either. I don't know if we're going to make it to 2024. Yeah. But, you know, it's uh, our government is so messed up. Even uh, Biden's in in Ireland and some kid finds uh, uh, the security, the security uh, operations uh, plan for when he goes to Belfast on the street <laughs> and is uh, and blasting it around on the Internet. Um, before the, I don't know if the Secret Service dropped it or if uh, maybe Biden had it in his little folder and dropped it. Um, we're about as we're about as unsecure as we could be. Hey, anyway, we're all out of time for this episode of the main event. So, Scotty, thanks for joining me this week. Always a pleasure, Ed. And uh, for those of you listening, my name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event, and I'll be back again with you next week. <laughs>